0: Good morning, morning. <clears throat> the last half hour, um, <laughs> I've been arguing with God about what I need to do here. I've got this message that I prepared six weeks ago that I fully intended to give this morning. And... Um, God got me here early and started talking to me about a different thing different message that He wanted me to give. <clears throat> so what should I do?
1: <laughs>
0: so I need help. You going to help me? I don't like this. You're going to pull? you going to help me out here? You're going to be in faith that I'm going to be able to communicate what God has put on my heart, right? All right, I need to borrow a Bible. Because if I use my phone, it's going to take a half hour just to get it. All right, I think we're supposed to go to Hebrews 6. When I first started doing these messages... I told God He could not change the plan midstream. <clears throat> uh, he's got his own. He's got his own idea. All right. Um, let's start at seventeen. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have, we who have fled for, ref, for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast. Okay. So what do we do when you see in the Word you're healed and you don't live in healing? You're sick as a dog. What do you do when your circumstances completely contradict the promises in the Word? What do you do when, God, you know, you know that you, you are convinced that your, your needs are supposed to be met, that you're supposed to live in abundance, and your circumstances are completely opposite? <clears throat> in the interest of full disclosure, that's where we have been. <clears throat> For too long, five years, I have been believing and confessing my needs are met according to God's riches and glory. I'm a tither, I'm a giver. And we are... A curse is living in lack, right? Living in want of any sort is part of the curse. Why are we there? Why? Why are we there? I know the Word says, you're, gonna have, you're supposed to have enough. You're supposed to have enough. But why can't we not pay all of our bills on time? About three weeks ago, I really, I, I really got upset. At God. <clears throat> I got, and just when is this going to end? When is this going to end? When? What do I need to do? What am I doing wrong? <clears throat> and. I have to and I and I keep coming back to it's not your fault. God, I know it's not you. I know it is not you. You are never you will never fail me. You will never fail. You are always faithful. I know it's me. What am I doing wrong? Where am I missing it? Why the delay? What is happening? And he, he reminded me of something that he showed me 10 years ago. No, oh, I don't like this. He, <clears throat> he showed me before. We, we bought our business 10 years ago. So it was two years before that. And I was really doing well. So it made sense. And what he told me is, you're going to be a major gospel financier. I'm thinking, yeah, I can see that. We're doing good. We're making good money. And then we bought the business. I was thinking, this is it. We're going to rock it. And I'm going to be so flush with money, I'm going to be given all kinds, buckets and buckets and buckets of money. (laughs) <laughs> it's been anything It's been anything, but the circumstances have been anything but. So he first when he reminded me that you're going to be a major gossip financier. It's like, whatever. Yeah, I remember you telling me that, but whatever. <clears throat> and then he, but then the next thing he told me was that this is temporary. This is temporary. So I said, okay. All right. And I started to confess, okay, I am a major gospel financier. I am a major gospel financier. Every, I don't care. I don't care what my bank account looks like. I don't care that we've got creditors calling us. I don't care. We are... A, our family is blessed, my family is blessed, and I'm a major gospel financier. I started seeing myself write out checks for $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, $1,000,000. Can God do it? Can God do it? You all are looking at a major gospel financier. And I am looking at a congregation full of major gospel financiers. Why not? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you are. Can God flush you with money? Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. Why can't billions of dollars come from us? Each and every one of us. Collectively. Is it needed? Is it needed? Does the gospel need it? Does the body of Christ need it? Does the kingdom of God need it? Yes, why not? You know why? We're not believing for it. We don't expect it. It's got to change. I see it in my life. And it's got to change. We need to be we need to be seeing ourselves you know, when, when I started writing out those big checks in my mind, it was like, oh, yeah, I like that. I see that. that is, that's that's going to be fun. That's going to be awesome. And I'm starting to believe it. I'm starting to expect it. That's what it takes. Expectation. It, the devil is trying to get us distracted. He's trying to get us distracted by the circumstances, by the crap that he's putting into our lives, by what's going on in the world. He's trying to get us distracted by the curse, by the lack, by the debt, by the sickness, by the insufficiency. What do we keep our eyes on? We have to keep our eyes on God. We have to keep our eyes on his word and what he's put into our hearts. I can, I bet he's talked to a lot of you about big things, and you just aren't too sure. You don't know if you really want to believe that stuff. It's time. It is time. We are so underperforming. We are so underperforming. It's got to change. And it starts with the little things. I know part of where I've been missing it is I you know, and where I was really arguing with God is God I'm I'm talking about this stuff during offerings. I can't I can't confess that I'm not there. But it's got to start with the little things. Where I've struggled is my giving has been based on my pocketbook. It's not been based on there's some things that he's told me to do that I did for a little bit and then stopped, because we didn't have the money. And I know that was wrong. And later he corrected me: "If he tells you to give, he's enabling you. He's empowering you to give that. So it starts with the little things. We need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. All right. Is this a congregation full of major gospel financiers? Yes. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we do have an anchor. We do have hope. And we need to keep our eyes on that hope. It's You. It's Your Word. It is the vision that You've given for us. And I thank You so much for it. I thank You that, that I am talking to a congregation full of major gospel financiers, major funders of the kingdom of God, of the purposes of God, of the plans of God. And it starts with the tithes and offerings that are given today. Bless it, prosper it. That's the start. That is the start of the harvest. That is the start of the abundance. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.
2: Amen. Usher's hand out the offering envelopes. Thank you, Brian. Make out check to RVCC, you all know what to do. If you're a first-time guest, giving's not expected, required, or anything else. It's for the the body, it's for the family. While you're doing that, I want to thank the Art of Marriage team that worked so hard this weekend. Could I have you guys all stand? Everybody who worked on the uh, art of marriage and uh, headed that up and worked on that Joe and Laurie Neitz and John and Jen and everybody else, thank you so much for giving a big round of applause. I want to apologize because what happens is I know these people for years and all of a sudden I went, Names, forget it. It's bless you all. You're all awesome. Whenever I get put on the spot, every once in a while I walk in the room and go, Sweetheart. Uh, so it was awesome. Wonderful, wonderful time. Great opportunity to to uh, revisit and to recheck. It's good to recheck yourself every once in a while. You think you're going along and everything's fine and all of a sudden... You know you're uh, uh, you you have somebody say to you if you were to rank your marriage from one to ten how would you rank it and I'm thinking eight nine so you turn to your wife and you say sweetheart what how would you if you, if you ranked it from one to ten what how would you rank that and she, you know and the answer she gives is you know is that my only option you know and, no she didn't say that but it's it's always good. I mean, it was, uh, it was awesome to have uh, Barb and Dick Mann there this weekend, working on their marriage. After 53 and a half years. How many what? 56 and a half. Whoa. They still need work, right, Dick? Barb, Barb's got it all figured out, but Dick's still working on it. Is Dick here? Where is he? Wave your, wave your rocker. I can't see him, man. Oh, he's back there. I thought you did him in after the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Where did, what did she do with Dick? Oh, great. 56 and a half years. That's it. No, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Thank you, guys. We're going to talk a little bit about today. I'm actually going to show a a portion of a video that was played because it was so powerful. Uh, I want you to be able to see it, but we'll see, we'll see it here in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for this opportunity to give. Father, it's you who provides wealth to bless us. And Father, we know, just like Brian said, we, we don't understand all the time why we're in the situation we're at the moment, but Lord, help us to be faithful where we are right now, in whatever that means, by faith, in love, we thank you, Lord, that you'll work out all things for good. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. While they're uh, handing that out, and if you can do more than one thing at one time, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This is interesting. This past week, um, I was able to do something I haven't done in quite a while. In the New Testament, one of the expectations and requirements for leaders is to just get away and pray sometimes. And I know that. I've known that for years. I've known for 20 plus years in doing this that it's good to just get away sometimes and pray. And to not pray about anything specific, Oh, Lord, oh, God, help me with this person or that person. No, just going and listening for His voice. And I was able to do that. And and I've purposed in my heart to, to section off one day a week where I just do that. I'm still available, obviously. I have the electronic leash on, uh, the, the cell phone. If anybody needs me, I'll be there. But it was good to just get away and to go and just spend some time listening to God and and praying. So that's what I'm going to be doing on Tuesdays. I'm going to be uh, purposing to to set that time away, uh, to get away with the Lord and and to pray. And during that time, um, God spoke to me about something and was very strong in my heart. And the more I prayed about it, the stronger it got. And what was interesting as the week went on, He just reinforced it in many different ways. And then the marriage, uh, weekend, the marriage, uh, the, the, uh, art of marriage seminar completely filled it out. Just went, it was like, yeah, the way this works in marriage is really the way that it works, should work within the whole body. Not yet. Not yet. Way to go, John. Nice job. All right. The video will be coming. I'll give you the cue. The cue will be, not yet. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to be or called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Then jump down to verse eleven, not that the six through ten aren't or five or seven through ten aren't important, but verse eleven. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we've been going through this uh, this art of marriage for two weeks, and I noticed similarities. Uh, in a marriage, it's important, uh, uh, one of the most important duties that we can do is to guard our unity between our husband and wife. We have to guard... That fact that we're one. That we're in relationship. That God ordained a relationship where we are one. Where we're, we, we made vows on a day and we said to each other, I don't care what happens in this life, but I want to tell you, I want you to know that I'm committing my life to you. I didn't on that day commit my life to... Our kids even. I didn't commit my life to her parents. My parents. I didn't commit my life to the, the people that were there as witnesses. I committed my life to her. And when I did that, all those other relationships fit in. But if this relationship, if if my relationship with this woman that, that God has given me, somehow is is strained or fractured or, or or there's a schism between us then it affects all the other relationships my my problem my my uh, separation one of the things they talked about all weekend was was a, a, a movement towards separation you know you don't start out on day two of marriage going you know what I t- I'm ticked at you that's it that was day three. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: but it's a movement. It's a movement away from... And that movement doesn't happen just because I'm mad. It could be because I'm busy. It could be because I haven't spent enough time with her or him or, you know, husband have wife. I haven't, I haven't fostered that relationship. Or when things do come up, because we're two different people... And there will be things that come up where I don't, I, we don't always agree. If you've ever heard our, our story of how we met and that whole thing, I'm not going to go into all of it. I'm going to just go to the part where we went through marriage counseling. We went through the six weeks, I think it was, or eight weeks, or whatever that the pastor of her church said we had to go through to, to do our thing. And at the end of the at the end of that time, he looked at us and said, "I won't do the marriage." I was like, what? He goes, I won't do it. I said, why not? And he goes, because you two won't stay together. You won't make it. Oh, that just ticked me. (laughs) So, by the help of God, we will stay together our whole... No, that's not the right reason either, but it was just this idea of This isn't going to work. Why? Because there will be problems. There will be disagreements. When she took the test and I took the test, everybody took the uh, a test, you know, when you're going through the marriage counseling. Okay, Debbie is way, way, way over on this side. And I'm way, way over on that side. She likes to sit quietly at home, drink a cup of tea and read a book. I want to go out and do stuff. More people, the better. I like sunny warm climates. She likes Minnesota. <laughs> so we compromised and we live in Minnesota. <laughs> but you can put yourself into all of these things. There are differences in our relationships. There are differences in how we relate to anybody to people. Debbie and I see things completely opposite on most things. She would save, and I've said this so many times, you guys could finish the the, the sentence. She could save every penny we make. I could spend every penny that we make. And more than that, yes. (laughs) What do you mean we're broke? I still have a credit card. It's wonderful. (laughs) We see things, we do things differently. We see things differently. We act differently. In, in the natural, that pastor looked at us and go, this isn't going to work. But it has to work, doesn't it? We made a decision. Love isn't how I feel. Love is a choice that I make about a person. Deb and I have, have, we talked about, we laughed yesterday. The hardest year of our life was that first year. That first year of marriage. Because we realized how far apart, how different we were than each other. And everything was a monumental, argumentable, is that even a word? You know what I meant. A reason to argue. And we did. (laughs) Aggressively, yes. Okay. <laughs> Aggressively. So, as in a marriage, the most important duty we can have is to, is to guard the unity between each other. In a church, with us as believers, the most important thing we can do is to foster unity. Because Satan's job, everything he's done from the beginning has been to kill, steal, and destroy. To tear apart his first thing that he did on earth was to destroy the relationship between God and man. To tear that relationship apart. And he didn't just come in and say, doesn't God suck? Sorry, I say that sometimes, new people. It's just words. Isn't God a jerk? Isn't God mean and cruel because He won't let you have that fruit? No, he comes in subtly and says, doesn't that fruit look good? Did he really say you couldn't have it? Oh, well, the only reason he did that was because he wants to have all that knowledge and understanding. He wants that all to himself. That's okay. If you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. He came in subtly, and he, he stole confidence. He stole trust. He stole And as He stole, He's been doing that ever since. He did it between Adam and Eve. He did it between two brothers. He did it between, and it's grown to nations, to where you flip on the television on any given night now, and all you see is killing, stealing, destroying, and separation. Everything. You look at anything that goes on, any sin, any anything that happens anywhere, it's to separate one person from another. So how much more does he want to do that here? How much more does he want to do that in a body of believers who have an answer to the problem? Because if he destroys us, then the message doesn't go out. And I know we're not the only church, but how many churches do we not fellowship with? Or don't fellowship with us. Because, well, they see things differently. The first time that there was a church split in that first century, it was horrible. The first time somebody left because, well... I just have an idea. <laughs> now, I'm preaching to the choir. I am. I am preaching to the choir. I this this church and for the, for new people anybody who's here for the first time, this is the most amazing church I've ever been a part of. It is. The people here are so mature, so wonderful, so dedicated. Love God so much. Have have His plan and purpose in their heart to fulfill. They live it every single day. I was telling a friend of mine who's not a born again believer, not not saved. I was telling him about what we do here and all, some of the things that we're doing. and He goes, "You guys actually believe that?" And I was like, "Ah, I actually we actually do believe it." He goes, "I've never been, met anybody who actually believes that." And I said, "You need to come and check us out." Because we actually do, and it's these these people are amazing. But here's the deal: if we are at ninety five percent unity, which I'm, I think we're pretty close to that, ninety five percent unity, and five percent disunity, that's disunity. If we're, if we're walking together and we're agreeing, and, and, and I don't mean agree that, this, 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 okay, this way we're gonna do it, oh, that's just the best answer I've ever heard in my life. Just like in a marriage. Sweetheart, I think we should do this. Oh, John, I'm so glad you came up with that answer. Oh, this, everything you say just drips like honey out of your mouth. How did God bless me so much with a husband who is so wise? <laughs> Somebody leads. And I'm not just talking about me. Don't, don't This isn't about you guys need to follow me. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We as the body. they are all kind. This church. What the first time? The first month, two months that I came here, fifteen years ago. We were sitting talking. And I said, "How long have we been?" Fifteen years. We've been here. And the first time, I, you know, the first few months I was here and got to know people, I went, "Oh my goodness, I have never met so many talented people, so many leaders." I mean, why would God who, I get so excited. Why would God put so many leaders into one place? I mean leaders. I mean not just not just a couple of leaders and then, you know, a whole bunch of sheep. No, I'm talking about leaders, people with qualifications that will just make your hair, you know, do whatever hair does when it's excited. <laughs> Why would God do that? And then when Pastor Dan came to me and said, You know, the Lord spoke to me. I'm going to be moving on. I'm going to be doing some some, uh, foreign ministry. It's time to turn the church over to you. My first prayer, I'm not kidding you, my my first prayer was, God, don't let me screw this up. Because I see it. I get it. There is a reason that we exist. It's a huge reason. God's put a vision in our heart to reach this valley. From Solon Springs all the way to Prescott, hundred miles in both directions. Yes, there's all kinds of churches. Well, let's work with them. I'm not saying we're the only church in that. We're going to do it. No, we work together with all the other bodies. And then and then where there isn't a body, we'll start a church because every little town needs a church. And I look at that and think, my goodness, what are you doing? God, this is amazing. And why would you put me here to do this? So I look at all of that, and I look at the ability and the potential, and I and I and I look at where we're at. I feel like you know we've talked about you know there's something coming. God's doing something. He's already doing it. He's, you know, for years now we've said we're in the middle of it. We need to keep going. But I see the momentum building and building and building to where it's just it's ready to burst out. But if we don't have unity, not 95% unity, well, is is 100% unity really possible? The Bible tells us we should. God calls us to it. We've said this many times. If it says that we should and He calls us to it, He's not just saying, shoot for 100%, but when you fall short, I'll be there to pick you up. No, He expects us to, try to, to put our heart towards that goal. How do we do that? How do we do that? Within the church, the Holy Spirit desires and expects unity. It's our job to crave that same unity between the body. The problem is we're human. Ever since the fall, we joined the enemy who is all about separation, discord, strife, backbiting, killing, stealing, and destroying. After coming back into union with God, we have to relearn the kingdom principle of unity. But the truth is we're different. We're different. We all have different skills. We all have different likes. We all have different ways of doing things. We have different ways of thinking about things. We are different. There are those of you who like the Packers. And then there's us who put up with the Vikings. There are differences all over the place. But differences are good. The thing is we look at differences and say, oh, that's bad. Because, you you know... It, the things that actually drew De- me to Deb are the things that she is and that I'm not. Why does God put you with somebody who is different and opposite? To complete you. But in that completion is struggle. The struggle is not because you do it wrong and I do it right. Well, that is how, That is the struggle. I think my way is the best and your way is wrong. You need to do it my way. It don't work that way. I mean, it works that way if might makes right, and you don't really want to have a relationship with that person. What really works, and I I love the, and I I don't want, I don't want to quote the. I just, we could just turn on the video and watch the whole six six plus hours of it. But unity means. I'm going to prefer you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you, even though I don't agree with you. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to be who I am, you be who you are, and let's let's enjoy each other, and let's respect each other, and let's, let's celebrate what you're strong at and what I'm not. The, the, most, the part I like the most about all of it, and that's, I'm going to actually show, I want them to show this, this video, is that there are differences, but those differences when brought together bring beauty. How many of you played an instrument at some point in time in your life? Wow, yeah. How many of you had to because your parents said, you're playing the trombone, that's the way, yeah, yeah, exactly, had to. How many of you played in a band, like a band, uh, and I don't mean a rock band, I mean like a band, school band, school band, or the orchestra, all the orchestra people? I thought they'd be excited. Woo, yeah, orchestra. The orchestra people. How many, how many played a violin? Jerry's not here today. I was going to pick on Jerry, but how many? How many people? Kathy played violin. Anybody play the timpani? Drums? Ooh, yeah, drums. No, too long of a story. I can't with <laughs> it. Ask me later sometime. Debbie plays drums. She played drums in a worship band one time. It was just beautiful because here they're playing this rock song and she's wearing this flowing, you know, dress. It was beautiful with flowers on it. She's behind the drums. Just did not look right. All right. <laughs> She looked great, okay, but behind a set of drums, it just doesn't. So you have the violins, and then you have the timpanies, and there's a reason why they put the drums in the back of the orchestra. Why? Because they're loud, and they, all they do is bang, boom, boom, you know, and those violins are so beautiful and and if if. All of the whole orchestra was the violins. Wouldn't this be beautiful? Well, it wouldn't be complete, would it? I want to sh- I want you to watch this. More about it in a second.
3: Looks like you guys are all ready for the concert, I guess. So, this is where Dr. Kohler stands.
1: Put the baton down. Why? Because no one is supposed to touch... No
4: one is supposed to touch the conductor's baton. No one except... Of course, the conductor. And I don't believe that's you, James.
3: I'm so sorry, Dr. Kohler. I didn't know there were baton rules.
4: I told you, James, call me Rob. sorry, Rob. You know Cynthia's always been my favorite. After you two wed, it'll be up to you to keep her well. Assuming she doesn't kill me first. (laughs) Well, don't mind me. Just came to clear up. You carry on. I have my stuff. Let's go.
3: Whoa, 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 baby, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up. Listen, three weeks from this Saturday, you and I will be standing in front of a big crowd of people. I mean, you're used to an audience. I've never done this before. I mean, there will be your family, my dad, his wife, my mom, brothers, sisters, aunts, cousins. You, you know how we are. Half the orchestra going to be there all coming to see a stunningly beautiful bride and her clumsy big-headed boyfriend become (laughs) man and wife. Now, baby, my dad stood in front of a church just like this 35 years ago. And in front of God and everyone, he made a solemn vow to my mom. And he said things like, I promise, and I pledge, and your friend and your partner and I'm yours and you're mine whatever the future holds my vow my promise does this all sound familiar? but my words Wait baby listen your words were beautiful they were but after 10 years would they have only just been words? words no better than my dad's? I mean I'm working on my vows too Your words, mine, my dad's,
1: they all sound the same. But my words have meaning. What more?
4: In music, there is beauty in opposition. We call it dissonance when notes clash. In a symphony, there is far too much happening at once for it to simply fall into place on its own. Dissonance, you see, is only ever fully appreciated when there is resolve into harmony. Alone, these instruments have beauty. But when they join, they'll either be harmony or their notes will clash and tragically fall apart. So, how do all the instruments of my repertoire stand together? Because the life beats behind all my instruments know that it's not enough to play from the same sheet of music. needs more. They know they must look to the conductor for their parts to stand resolved with meaning and harmony. For all time, look to the conductor. I bid you both Good night.
2: Orchestras are amazing. Orchestras are... Listening to an orchestra is amazing. But each of those have a part to play. And if one of those parts is missing, it doesn't sound the same. Or if if the piccolo says, I am so sick and tired of the drum sounding, always beating over my solo, I'm going to play louder now so that that drum will be heard in the way it should be heard and should be quiet. The thing is, we do that in the body. When we do that in the body, if we don't appreciate what each other brings to the table, then what we do is not just, as in a marriage, we not just don't appreciate it, we also start to try to shelve it. And we push it to the side. Orchestra is a beautiful way to explain unity. Because when done right, when done in unity, it's, it's powerful, it moves you. That's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to move the world. The New Testament says the men who have been turning the world upside down have come here now. And why were they turning the world upside down? It's because they were in unity. They were all together in one place, in one accord. And when they were, the Holy Spirit fell. And 5,000 people got saved that day. Why don't we see 5,000 people getting saved every day? 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says this. Beginning with 12, reading a bunch. For just as the body is one and as many, has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all... We're we're made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of men, of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, <laughs> that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may be, have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We're all different. God did that on purpose. He put us together on purpose different. He chose it. And just because we're different doesn't mean it's bad. Just because you think things should be one way and the person on the other side of the room thinks it should be done a different doesn't mean you're right and they're wrong. It doesn't mean that they're better or you're better and they're not. It means that we're supposed to figure it out and work together and celebrate each other's differences. There's a part that plays that if you do your job the way you're supposed to, and you give honor to the one who can. The hardest thing for me to do as a man, the first six months of our marriage was to hand Deb the checkbook. And not for the reason you think. Because I am horrible at numbers. I've gotten a little bit better, but not much. She would say, how much money do we have in the checkbook? I'm going, mm-hmm. I don't know. For all of you accountant types, you're going, ooh. And one day we were having a, what would you call it, aggressive discussion? We were having a, an aggressive conversation. That's a great way to say it because she wanted to know what was in the checkbook, because it matters to her. And I know that sounds really bad. It should should matter to me, right, people who like doing checkbooks? It should matter to me. It doesn't. (laughs) Now, she, and back then, she felt like, what kind of a person doesn't care what's in the checkbook? And I'm thinking what kind of a person puts numbers above fun? (laughs) (laughs) Praise God for people who put numbers above fun. (laughs) Because that means the fun can keep going, you know? (laughs) The problem with the, with running out of money is the fun stops. Not, not really, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but we're all different. And if we don't celebrate, that means we don't just don't agree and we don't like. I mean, we can, what we do is we start to distance ourselves from that person, leaving that person vulnerable. If they do it differently than we do. I don't like. See, I could put a whole bunch of names in there, but I'm not going to do it because there's there's. Let's do it this way. Let's do. It. I need 11 volunteers. I need 11 volunteers. One is Jen because I already talked to her and she's going to be she's going to be a volunteer. I was thinking guinea pig, but I know what's going to happen. It's not like a test. I know what's about to happen. So Jen is number one. I need 11 volunteers. Everybody volunteer quick. Yeah, see how you are, Brian. Jeff. Brian. I'm I'm on a roll here. Ted. Alright, we got five we've got five guys. Now I need five ladies. One, Debbie, you're up here. Alright, Lorna. That's three. I need two more ladies. Alright, good. Leolanda, come on up here. Greg's in the skirt. Greg's in no 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 no. No, 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 no. no. All right. How many of you here have ever done a trust fall? (laughs) You know what a trust fall is? Okay. So, look up here real quick. Here's the next slide. The next slide. There you go. Trust fall. You kind of see the idea there? One person is standing on an elevated position. The other others are behind... The person on the elevated area, they cross their hands, they close their eyes, and on the count of three, they fall backward into the arms of the people that they are trusting. So, Jen, I would like you to stand up on the stage. Okay, good. It's not about you. What did I just say? <laughs> Catch. Oh, Ted. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Then we would have to see a healing service and... (laughs) Now, Jen's job is to turn around, and she's going to face the other wall, and she's not going to look back at all. She's not going to look back. I've told her you cannot look back for any reason whatsoever, and when I count to three, she's supposed to fall. She's going to cross her arms in front of her body so that she doesn't scratch anybody with the fingernails on the way down, and she's going to look forward. From this moment forward, she cannot look back and she cannot cl- open her eyes. Alright. I need everybody to fill in behind her, like you see up on the screen up there. Fill into the line on both sides. Get really close to each other. Ah, go back and forth between guys and girls so that we don't, and then get really close, really close. So I got all ten of you in there. Close, 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 close. Get closer, 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 closer. <laughs> On, there we go okay so what jen's going to do is she is going to at the count of three she's going to fall back into. you know jen i think it'd be a lot cooler if we went to the higher level it really would yeah it would it would be really no, i'll stay down there see yeah, <laughs> look unity isn't that beautiful unity okay when I count to 3, Jen is going to fall backwards into into their arms. All ready? Everybody ready? No don't don't say anything. Don't. 1 2 Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Come on. That's not reality. Is it? That's not really re- reality. Having 10 11 people all oh, in such unity. Here's the scoop. I'm going to ask a series of questions. When I ask these series of questions, if this question applies to you in any way, shape, or form ever in your life, I want you to close your arms and take two steps backwards. Jen, keep your eyes closed. (laughs) Anybody who does not like Jen, put your arms, cross your arms, and take two steps backwards. Don't give her any hints. <laughs> My wife is so nice. Nobody moved. <laughs> now, that was an easy question. Of you 11, if any of you ever have looked at anyone in this church or anyone other church you've ever been in and went, you know... Those people, I don't know why they are the way they are. I don't know why they act that way. I wish they'd just stop. Wish somebody else was in that leadership position. Close your arms and take two steps back. (laughs) (laughs) Ready? One. (laughs) Two. You guys, no, look at you guys. (laughs) Do you get my point? When we talk about somebody else, when we, you're not, okay, yeah, maybe you just said it to your your best friend. Now, here's the deal. I've done it too. Keep your eyes closed, Jim. I've done it too. There was a lady in the, in the at Abundant Life. I'll even get more specific. I won't tell you who it was. Some of you know her. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because I've used this example before. There was a lady at the church over at Abundant Life, and I did not like her. Didn't like her. I mean, I really didn't like her. I would see her come through the front door, and I went, oh,
1: yeah, great, okay.
2: And I would go over by my friends. I would ignore Then I became one of the pastors. I became the youth pastor. Well, people want to talk to you at times when you're in a leadership position, and I would see her come through the door and I was like, oh, great. Okay. Pastor John! Oh, <laughs> you know that feeling? You know that feeling when you just kind of cringe inside? You all know that. Yeah, because you'd have backed up too. You're like, ah, oh, I don't like that person. This woman drove me nuts. Every button that could be pushed in me, she pushed. Was it Jen? John just asked if it was you, Jen.
1: <laughs>
2: now, I picked Jen for two very good reasons. For two very good reasons. Number one, because she's small. <laughs>
1: That's
2: why I'm not up there. Number two, the reason I picked Jen is I've always described Jen. And I don't know if she even knows that I describe her this way. Whenever I'm talking to somebody that I don't, that doesn't know her, and I'm describing her, I describe her, she is my favorite Christian. She is. She's my favorite Christian. Always, ever since I've met her, she has been my favorite Christian. Why? Because we get along? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> because we've always, if the feeling's gone, no, it's not yet. No, it's not yet. Just wait. Hang on. Hang on. Trust. Trust. Is it because we've always seen eye to eye on all spiritual and, and uh, relational and all matters? No. Is it because... No, it's because... See, this is too personal. i, mean, I, I got to make jokes of it. The reason is I was there when she got saved. I was there the night she got saved. And then she started coming to our small group and drove me nuts week after week after week with incessant questions about everything. Why do we have to praise God? What? My favorite question, and there's a whole bunch of questions I will leave out, but my my favorite question of all time is she's sitting in the meeting and she's just... ticked, <laughs> And we're talking about God and love and all those things. And I could just see out of the corner of my eye, she's mad. She's ticked through the whole thing. I get to the end of the night and ask if anybody had anything they want to talk about, and nobody really had I said, so Jen, how was your week? And she goes, terrible. I said, why? What's going on? I just have one question. Is heaven going to be fun or anything? (laughs) Right? You asked that, didn't you? Yes. The reason being was she had come out, she had gotten saved, and she came out of a life that was not saved. And so she wanted to go hang out with her old friends again, and when she went there, the Holy Spirit convicted her and wouldn't let her do it. And she was ticked because, does this mean I don't get to ever have any fun ever again? Is heaven going to be fun or what? So, it wasn't Jen, no. So, this lady drove me nuts. Every time she would come over and she'd say, Oh, Pastor John, and she would corner me and she would ask these questions and she, I was just like, Oh, I was like tearing out my insides. I did not like her at all. I didn't hate her because that's a whole different level, but I just didn't want to be around her. I didn't want to talk. She was weird. She was different. I didn't like her. And one day we're going along with our church duties, doing things, and we plan a mission trip. Hey, anybody who wants to go on this mission trip, sign up for the mission trip, come on the mission trip, it would be a wonderful time. Guess who signed up? (laughs) This lady signs up, and when I saw her name on the list, I went, you have got to be kidding me. We are going to travel together for two weeks. I am going to be in the same van, the same airplane, the same hotel. Oh, God, what are you doing to me? I really, I was, I was like, no, this can't, is there, no way, she can't go, I can't, no, she can't go. I began to pray about it. Guess what God said? She's going. So she went. And the first day she drove me nuts. And the second day she drove me nuts. And then God convicted me, and He said, "Knock it off, knock it off." I know you don't like her. I do. God liked her. And you're the one who's wrong. Stop it. Grow up. God dealt with me severely. I repented. Went to the breakfast the next morning, and guess who sat next to me? didn't like her anymore fourth day fifth day sixth day seventh day eighth day God kept putting us in situations where I had to deal with her ninth day tenth day tenth day somewhere we we went from where we were to Poland and we're we're in Poland we're staying at this staying at this hotel and we decided to go for a walk on the beach Libby was there we were that was a trip I'm pretty sure you were on that trip. And it was when the band played, when Tommy O'Dell, Greg, Pastor Greg was there. Uh, you weren't there? Oh, you weren't. So Pastor Greg was there. So we go for a walk on the beach down the, the, on the Baltic Sea, and we're walking out, and guess, guess who tagged along? But she was there. We're walking along, and we, we go out to eat. And You know, I did not like her as much as I didn't like her at the beginning. Okay, that's all I can say. I can't say it was this miraculous, everything changed in a moment. We're what, get done with dinner and we're walking back and all of a sudden we're in Poland. Okay. Think of Poland. It was a Friday or a Saturday night and all of a sudden way off in the distance we heard, and I'm thinking, that sounds cool. Let's go check it out. So we follow the, the sound. We're going through all these streets. We come to this humongous square and there was this polka band playing, and there were hundreds of people polkaing around. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, <laughs> here's the moment, here's that quick, all of a sudden something changed moment. I, you know, before that it was nothing. Oh, okay, I, okay, I don't like her as much as I should, but I, I don't dislike her. I'm standing there, and I, out of the corner of my eye, I turn, and here she is. She's getting into the music. She's grooving. Now I have to uh, just put it into context. She's about fifty-ish, maybe late fifty-ish. Grandmotherly, you know, not that 50 year olds are grandmotherly. (laughs) (laughs) Um And I swear, I'm not kidding you. I don't, God says all kinds of weird things to me all the time. He said, dance with her. (laughs) (laughs) And I did not give myself a second moment to think about it. I said, and I can't yell, maybe I could say, I said, "I said, Barb, dance with me!" And I grabbed her, and we started polkaing around that square. And we just start laughing, and she starts laughing, and I'm laughing. We have a videotape. We have a videotape of the. There's the dance going on. All of a sudden, here, here comes Barb and I. Do 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 through the, and the whole time she's going as we're going through. From that moment on, I love her. Wow, sit down, woman. She's changing. Yeah. <laughs> Look out, people. She's, she's awesome. I love that woman. More than I love Barb. Okay, so. so, what did it take? It took me listening to God, softening my heart, allowing Him to do a work in my heart, repenting, and letting Him do it. Right now, close your eyes. This hasn't been about any individual. This hasn't been about Anything in particular, I'm, I'm like, this is 95, our church is amazing. But I want to be 100% in unity. 100%. If there's anybody, anybody that God has convicted you of doing this whole thing, repent. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to deal with your heart. Ask Him to move powerfully in your life and to change the way you think. Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry the way I've thought. I'm sorry the way I've... opinions that I've had against people. Father, I'm sorry. I repent of that sin. because That's sin. Father, change my heart. Change my heart towards that person. Those people. Help me to see the gift that you've given the body through them. Help me, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up, Jen. Everybody grab hands. Get ready. She's going to cross her arms. Everybody that's dealt with it, repented, stay right where you're at. Everybody else move. (laughs) good one two three go (laughs) give everybody a big hand give everybody a great big hand To do what God wants us to do, to go where He wants us to go, to fulfill that what He wants us to fulfill, we have to be in unity. You more than likely need the very person that's been driving you nuts to be fulfilled to the level. God wouldn't have put him in your life if there wasn't a reason. And usually the one that drives you the, drives you nuts the most is the very one that's going to bring you to the next level. To bring you to the fullness of what God has called you to do and to be. Don't shut them out of your life. Love. Forgive. Change. You change. Everybody wants change, but nobody wants to be the first one to change. Except Christians. God gives us the heart to change. Amen? Father, we do give you the glory and the honor. We thank you, Lord. I ask you for 100% unprecedented unity within this body. Father, thank you for calling us to what you've called us to. And I ask you, Lord, by your Spirit, to move among us, changing our hearts, causing us to love, causing us to forgive, so that we can fulfill and be all that you've called us to be. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.